Hey guys, welcome to My First Million. This is producer Ben, here with another Best Of episode. On this one, we compiled some of the best guest moments of the past year. On this first clip, we have the one, the only, the world-famous Rob Deerdeck. Rob is a famous skateboarder, celebrity, TV show actor, host, and producer. And now he's a really great entrepreneur with a number of different businesses. In this clip, he's explaining exactly how he manages his time and how he has managed to become, as he says, human optimization. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all-new service hub from HubSpot, and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support rep's time with an AI-powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secret's out. Service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. I've mastered time, energy, and capacity, right? So I live this extraordinarily balanced life by design where I only dedicate 30% of my time to podcasts and my shooting television and uh, building my businesses. I spend 30% sleeping, 10% on my health, never compromise, and then 30% with my family, you know? How much is 30% so, for you? Like how many hours are you looking at? 30% of a 40-hour work week or 30% of your he's waking? Saying, he's saying of a day. My entire life. All hours. So right? Eight hours, so, basically, right? No, all life. Of the 24 hours in a day, I, I sleep 30%, so seven hours, right? Yeah. Like, I work seven hours, I'm with my family seven hours, and uh, I spend uh, three hours on my health, on average, right? When you yeah. look at the, the overall balance. And then I could show you this because I track it every day and it pumps all of it into this beautiful dashboard because what I've done over time, because to give you an idea, I shot 250 episodes of television this year. It's exactly 4% of my total time. That's how highly wow. optimized it's become, right? Because you basically have a certain level of human capacity. And in order to scale it, you either hire or automate it. So I live this deeply automated life uh, that that hires people in to add capacity. And at the end of the day, I just live super balanced and happy. That's <laughs> so, it. So give what, us an what, example. What, wait, give, what give, software are you using to track all that time? Yeah. That I, dashboard. I created, I, I, created I, I had, a, I had a, a programmer write me a script that goes inside Google. The Google it's, Calendar. It's an app on your phone, or it's just on like a spreadsheet, basically. It's, in, it's inside Google Calendar, and then it pops, it populates a uh, Google spreadsheet, right? And then the beauty of it is, is I qualitative data and quantitative uh, data is what I live my life off of, right? So every day for the last five years, I asked, I wrote down how I feel about my life, work, and health, zero to ten. And so I could show you by the qualitative numbers how I'm living a higher quality and happier life. And, and the result of that is based off the optimization that I've done on my quantitative stuff. My quantitative stuff is did I get up before five? Did I brain train? Did I get in the gym? Did I meditate? Did I have a clean diet? Did I not drink? I could show you by my quantitative numbers that I have done all of those almost every single day of this entire year, about 87% of those quantitative things that have just driven those qualitative numbers, how I feel about my life, my work, and my health higher and higher. So by the numbers, I could tell you what a high quality life that I'm living compared to just five years so ago. You know? You're saying... So many amazing things. I got yeah, in, I I to, to each one. All right. So you just said something. <laughs> did I brain train? What's that mean? 
I use the luminosity app, right? Like where it's just adding flexibility and just letting your mind do all of these things that are different than just getting in and reading your emails and, you know, just going through your rhythm is really what I, I do that for. And you wake up at five. What's the morning routine like? Sounds like you're pretty yeah, like, look, optimized. I, I'll get up. I, 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 get, I have to get up before five, but depending on what time I go to bed, I'll get up um, at four or four thirty too. Right. And then to me, uh, you know, I always have that, that coffee pre-made so I can get up and get cooking. Um, and then I track all my numbers from the previous day, fill in all my time. If I missed any time to make sure that, that all my dad is there on your phone um, or, or on your computer. On the computer, right? Okay. And then um, and then I try to just like organize and knock out sort of my more executional work before the kids get up and all that. Um, then at six o'clock, I brain train. 6.30, I meditate. Uh, when I jump out of meditation, I send, or actually at 5.15, I bring my wife a coffee and I send her an email of every single thing that I'm doing that day, what it means to me and with a love quote on top, right? Um, again, this is, this what, what is do you mean, in, what it means to me, like each thing you're doing, uh, just like, you know, yeah, in, in my, in my, one of the, one of the pulls of our relationship was like, I do so much stuff that she would be, it'd be, I'd just be talking to someone to be the first time she ever heard of it. And so she would just like, I would do so much stuff in a day. She just would, would feel disconnected. So I just started giving her an email every day of like what I'm doing, what it means with a nice love quote, right? And and that then settled down the energy of feeling disconnected from everything that I'm doing. Um, bring her a coffee at 5.15. God bless her. She started doing 5.30 calls for her business, um, which means she's going to be tired earlier. That means we can go to bed by 9.30, right? Which is a, another sort of blessing. And, um, and this is I, happening in LA, right? You're, this is your... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, I, I pop out of meditation at seven, wake the kids up, uh, get them both down to breakfast at 730. My trainer doctor comes to the house, uh, 730 to 830 um, training and then take the kids to school at 830. Right. Um, and then the day, depending on what the week is, you know, sometimes I go to breakfast dates with my wife. Sometimes it's, you know, on Mondays, you know, I basically run a flat organization, right? So I have, you know, 10 core divisions that are ran by uh, an executive and I just spend Monday fully organizing from when I get up four o'clock into my chief of staff for an hour, into my president and COO for an hour, and then half hours for every single person that runs that uh, division so that we can just be highly organized and then plan the rest of the week, which of course is inside Thursday night date nights and Friday night sushi night with my wife and picking my kids up and all of, you know, I design balance and then I only work within the structure of balance. And then depending on how I feel, depending on how my wife feels, then I'll even adjust that to lean into making sure that my family is feeling priority above business always you 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 are like yeah you're 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 like you know like people make fun of silicon valley people because they're like like here's my calendar i've got it adjusted like this this and this but uh i'm sitting here looking at you i think it looks like you're wearing a black blazer with a black sweater and you got these slick airpods in you are more silicon valley techie in tune with this than like the stereotypes of it and i i love it i think this is awesome i mean look i'm i am human optimization and optimized to to be what though to just be happy you know what i mean like at the end of the day that's why you're playing the game and you got to figure out yourself to understand what truly makes you happy because your goal is to not be happy in pockets 
your goal is to be happy every single hour of every single day of your life, right? And, and that's really what I've accomplished. And I'll tell you something. If you think about how you live, right, you, you can live in two places that will get you nowhere. It's dwelling and being negative, right, or it's being hopeful and like wishing, right? Either of get you nowhere. But real, where life is lived is you're either problem solving, you're either creating the future, or you're experiencing the present. Right. And the truth is, whatever you're experiencing, the present is based off of the decisions you've made in the past. And it's your choice to create whatever you your reality is that you're going to eventually experience or, God forbid, something hits you rather than dwelling on it or hoping it didn't happen. If you problem solve and handle it, um, you're not going to you can basically live a life with no negative thoughts. If you learn to live in a state of either experiencing, creating or problem solving in your entire life. Right. But it's on you to understand what that is, to be able to live in that state. You know? I'm flabbergasted, Sean. For this next clip, we're going to be listening to the world famous comedian Hassan Minhaj, and he explains how he prepares for his shows. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. That I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What's the system you've developed to oh, get on stage okay. and have that switch flipped? Okay. You, when you came on, within two seconds, it's like this guy's in a state of mind. He's in a state, as we say, yeah. of like he's here to perform. He, he knows what he's here to do. Yeah. There's no like tiptoeing into it. Yeah. So I was wondering, what do you do the five, 10 minutes before or an hour before? I don't know what, what your yeah. kind of like warm up routine, routine is. Routine, yeah. Yeah. I oh, think you're man. ready. You, the listeners want to know this? I'm sure. I don't really? know. I, this my, is your my, personal curiosity. I want to know it. And yeah. I, uh, my, my trainer has this great phrase. He goes, who are my customers? The people that love what I do. Because like, he's, he's like, people right. always ask, oh, who are your customers? Is some demographic. Right. So I'm like, some like marketing intellectual answer. He's like, yeah. easiest way in the world is the people who love who who your customers are the people who love what you do. Yeah. So just do what you do. Yeah. And you will naturally attract the people who love that. Yeah. And you will repel the people who aren't interested. Yeah. And you will never have to guess what the heck people want because you just do what you want. And so yeah. that's the approach I take to the pod. Yeah. Um, no, I love it, man. I love I love talking shop like this. For me, it's actually it's a it's the three hours before. Mm. So. <clears throat> What I try to do before any show, I try to make sure that like I exercise in some capacity because, and I don't know if you feel this way, maybe it's within our community. It's so funny to go back to what you're talking about where you're like, oh, he seems like a guy who works really hard. This is funny. Mar I was doing Mark Maron's podcast and Maron said the same thing about me. He's like, yeah, you seem like really put together. And he's like, why aren't you unraveling like the, the way other comics are, right? And I'm like, yeah, I. I I'm just philosophically not from that camp. I'm not from the tortured artist camp. I'm more from the place of like, I'm creating from a place of passion and love. Right. And actually real talk, it's about emptying the tank. I just want to put it all out on the court. Right. You know, and this court happens to be the stage, right? Um, and I want to do my best. I want to be like, I put everything into picking out this outfit. I put everything into picking out these jokes, these tags, the stage design, the lighting design, like this is it. And I want to know when I go to sleep here at night, when I put my head down on the pillow, 
I did everything I could. Right. Like living a life without regret and only you can answer that is the best. Right. Everybody's talking about chasing happiness. To me, it's about chasing satisfaction, like that self-satisfaction. And you know what it is. Right. You know what it is. Right. And, and you know when you sold out, you, know you got a you good result, out. but you kind of didn't do it the right way. Yeah. That, that sticks with you. And some people just like let that stick with them. Yeah. Other people say, all right, even if I won, I'm not going to win on those terms again. Yeah. If, it, and if I lost, I can lose on these terms and be good at night. Yep. And, yeah. and I'm sure there's listeners to the pod that spend their time retweeting the right things right. and quote tweeting and dunking on <laughs> VC people. And, you know, they, they say the right things. They'll regurgitate the right opinions. But they know when they put their head down at night, hey, you were supposed to train. You jerked off instead. Right. You were supposed to do this. You didn't. But only you can answer that. Right. So you can signal all you want. For me, what that stage represents is like, no, I'm putting myself in a high level of, of accountability in front of 3,400 people. Right. I'm putting it all out here. Right. Even And if you don't think I'm good, if you think I'm corny, if you think I'm whatever, hey, it is what it is. But I stood here. Right. And I did it. I did me. And on my terms, and I did my best. So you're saying th- so you're saying three hours before. you Three hours before, what I do is I like to do the the uh, some form of exercise. And I try to get out of my like head. Like a workout workout? Or you're just trying to break a sweat? What do you, what's the Yeah, trying to do... On tour, it's just about body maintenance. Yeah. So I'll do running, I'll do some pull-ups, some core stuff, just stuff to get my body going right. and, and start breaking a sweat. And what I love about, like right around minute 30 to 45, is I'll get out of my head and into my body. And so much of life right now getting out of your getting head. out of your head. And it's funny, I, I called you randomly, I, was appreci- I appreciate you picking up the phone the other day. We had a long conversation, we can get into that later. But so much of, I think, what you do and what you put out in the world, and I call it, like, tech Twitter talk, it's all in your head. Intellectual. It's all just heady, yeah. anxiety-inducing stuff. <laughs> right. Huh, Ethereum's up. Oh, just, <laughs> Solana's this. It's like, it's all head shit. Right. It's not a body-feeling thing. Right. Like, grounding yourself two feet on the ground. I'm here in this moment. What do I do? And so much of performance, and to be great at it, the best Chappelle, the best performers, they're not in their head, they're in their body. They're really there. Right. Somebody screams, somebody says something, somebody heckles, they're in their body. When you watch Steph Curry play, when I watch Devin Booker play, these guys are so in their body. Right. Luca is the best at this. He's in his body. He's in the he's in flow. Right. And so Luca's like a kid and kids do this well. Yeah. Kids do this pretty naturally. I love that. The and older what, you get, the yeah. more heady you get, which is you got to fight Yeah, that. you got to fight that, right? And so that's a great way to get out of my head, get into my body. Then I'll probably, I eat something. Yep. Um, I take a shower and then I put, I put on the outfit. And for me, it's like being on stage uniform. and putting on that. It feels like a uniform. Yep. And like, for me, it feels like I want it to feel like a show, like from the watch to the jacket, to the right. pants. I'm like, there's a level of confidence that you have when you move into a room and you're like, Hey, from, from my heels all the way up to my head, I'm wearing my armor. Like, I'm coming correct. Right. And you just, you carry yourself with a little bop. You're like, no, I feel better about myself. My shit isn't slouching. There's no stains on my right. stuff. You know what I mean? Like, the moment I saw you today, you walked in, you're wearing your tech pants. I could tell you washed them a few times, yeah. but there's some stains <laughs> on the backside. You know what I'm saying? But that feeling of like, no, man, when I'm coming in here, I'm going to be fresher than Sean. One. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to be fresh. Yeah. That already gives me a feeling of like confidence. I know what I'm doing, you right. know? And, and by the way, the opener, Marcella, like, Marcella was just like dressed to the nines, yes. you know, it's, it's a feeling. Then I get to the show. Um, I finish eating. I'll meditate. So 
meditation for 10 to 15 minutes will allow me to just, again, get out of my head and drop into my body. And something simple, just headspace. Right. Like I'm not getting too crazy right. about it. Um, and what I love about headspace specifically is so much of it is just basic breathing, establishing a level of intention. I'll meditate, then I'll pray. And for me, like prayer is really important because it's gotta be about something bigger than just myself mm -hmm. and my corporal being. I'm like, what am I doing this for? And just in establishing an intention. And for me, the intention is like love. Let me give joy to people. Right. And I, I want the seed of everything that I'm doing to come from that, not be like, not be petty energy, angry energy. Um, I'm gonna prove you wrong energy. Right. Like I'm in the laughter business. Right. Like I'm here to make you feel joy, right? Um, and that warm feeling. So establishing an intention there. I get to the, I'll get to the venue about an hour before. I'll have a double shot of espresso. Um, I'll let my bowels do what they do. <laughs> you always get those jitters. Like yep. you, you gotta pee, you gotta do what you gotta do. And then about like 30 to 45 minutes before, I like to be loose just with the, with the staff. Right. Let them know like, hey, what's up? How are you? Door guy, security guy, openers. Right. You know what I mean? Another way to get out of your head, by the way. Yeah. Is to be, the, be with others, be there, yeah. talking to others, serving others in a yeah. way. Yeah. And then um, about a half an hour before, um, I'll go to my green room. I usually write it down. I'll write down, it'll just be on hotel notepad paper. Hey, what are a couple new tags that I'm working on tonight? Right. What, just move the ball forward a little bit. Remind myself, yo, I'm going to do this. Um, for example, last night, one of the things I talk about in act one of the show is fertility. And a new joke that I did was like, you know what it's like being infertile as a man? I felt like Woody in Toy Story when his arm got ripped off. <laughs> right. All, that was, a, that yeah. was just one line. And I was like, hey, make sure you do the Woody Toy Story line. Right. You know? And... Uh, Every show, I try to add a few a of these element. extra moments. And you add that up over the course of like a year, two years, three years, you start to see what works and what doesn't work. And I'll, I'll have a thousand, three thousand different variations right. of that, right? And then I get on stage, and by the time I get on stage, there's just this feeling of like, now it's just pure play. Whatever happens, happens. Right. And um, when I'm on stage, what I try to do is I try to remember when, when it, I'm opening in front of my crowd, they're like really hot. And one of the things I try to remember is don't yell, don't scream. Try to actually bring them to you. Mm. Like set the tempo of the game. Right. Don't get like too excited or too hot. Like you can whip them up, but then like sit down at the stool, bring them to you. For this next clip, we have longtime guest Steph Smith, and she talks about companies with only one employee that are able to make millions of dollars. So let's talk about companies of one. So we're, you're, you have a list of like 10 or seven companies that are run by one person that are shockingly big. Let's go through some of them and talk about them. Yeah, so I think you called out two before. So I'm gonna just call out those two quickly. You called out Built With before, which is the site that basically can tell what a site is built with. Is it built with WordPress or Squarespace or what plugins is it is a site using? And that one, at the time when you found it, was I think doing around 14 million. And then you've also covered Nomad List and Remote OK by Peter Levels. And those two, I think together are doing around a million a year. And those two, I think are both completely solo founders. I know Peter certainly is, but there are a couple others. So have you heard of Ugmunk? Well, hold on. So Built With, so people know, Built With is like maybe one of the most impressive ones here, but not the, but one of. Built With is like, it's like a 
I think they have a plugin as well, but it's a website. You go to builtwith.com, you enter in the hustle.co. Let's say you want to, you, you see something on our website that you like and you want to copy and you're like, how'd they build that? What plugins do they use? What, whatever you use built with and they make money because what do they do? I think they like sell people's data or something. I'm not sure. Actually, let me look this up because I know they get a crazy amount of traffic. Like they've got plans on their site. So they've got a basic plan. I don't know what you get with it, but it's $295. Oh, I know what you get. You get basically, I believe you sign up and it tells you people's. So it, it crawls all these websites and it tells you what type of features they have on their website and what type of plugins. And I think you pay money and it'll say, we have the emails or contact information of all types of people who use blank plugin and you sell a plugin that is complimentary to that. Therefore, pay money and you can now target them and advertise against them or, or things like that. Yeah, they charge. So their basic plan is $3,000 a year. Their pro is 5000 Their team is 10000 There's a cool little trick they have on their pricing page. If you go to it and you hover over, they have like technologies, keywords, and they have these little GIFs that they're actually like showing what you would get with the product. I've never actually seen that before. So that's a cute little hack. And it's built by basically one guy in Australia. All right. So what are some of the other companies? Okay. So I was going to call it Ugmunk. So this one's not as big. I actually don't know exactly um, how much they're making, but it's a really simple e-commerce store. They started just selling really nice t-shirts, which sounds like, okay, like there's enough t-shirt stores out there, but this guy, Jeff Sheldon, he focused on just really high quality shirts. And then now he's moved into almost like productivity stuff. If you, are you in the dock? I'm looking at Ugmunk. So when I go to Ugmunk, I see like a pen holder and I see like a, a, a to-do list, like a, it's like cute, well-designed like pen holders, which doesn't sound neat, but it honestly, it looks pretty sick. Yeah, it looks surprisingly sick. If you go to, let me, if you click in the doc where it says, look at this, if you click that, that is his setup. And he, he's like one of those builders who I think has built a little Twitter following as well. And he just has this beautiful desk setup, which is like the perfect ad. And I, oh, I I've seen say, this. It looks awesome. Yeah. I never thought I'd want to go and buy like a hundred dollar to-do list, but I, I think I'm going to buy one. Yeah, I, it's just like cute, easy to use, like mid-century modern stuff. Yeah, I'm on board. How much revenue does he do? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure he does several million a year. He gets over 200,000 page views a month. And I, he's been going at this for several years. So I know he makes enough to have left his full-time job several years ago. And he's grown a lot since then. So I'd wow. probably say a couple mil. Wow, that's crazy. All right, that's a, that's a good find. It's just one guy. He's the only employee. I think so. I mean, he's, he, he probably has some staff now that he's been growing, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a big team. All right. What's next? All right. Card is actually one guy. He might have contractors, but card C-A-R-R-D. I've built sites with card. People probably recognize card or they've almost certainly been on a site built by card and it's built by this guy, AJ, and it's doing $1 million a year AR. I think he actually just raised money now. So I think he's kind of going for. Did um, he really just raise money? I would love to invest in this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he raised money earlier this year. He was like big in the indie hacker community. And then I think he posted on indie hackers this year, like, look, I'm, I'm going to raise money. I'm going to, you know, really go for it. But he, it's kind of crazy. 2.5 million sites have been built on card. What? And yeah, I so he hit card said, it, like a million AR. So it's a free platform for building simply, uh, for building simple, fully responsive one page websites that can do anything. I actually think 
So there, there was this company called, you remember About Me? No. What is that? About.me. So go to about.me. That's the URL. You don't remember that? You're, I'm just a little bit older than you, which, <laughs> which is like, then that few years probably makes a difference. Because about.me, when I was just getting started, was considered like the preeminent builder in this space. And they made it, it was a one page website where you can explain stuff about you. And it was started by this guy named Tony Conrad, I believe his name is. And he's this cool looking dude who is also an investor now. And he sold it after only two years to AOL for like $40 million. And it was bootstrapped. You see about.me, you see how it's like basically the same thing. Yeah, it reminds me of, you've heard of Unsplash, right? I love Unsplash. So, or sorry, I'm not thinking of Unsplash. I'm talking about Unfold. Unfold is this app that basically for Instagrammers, it adds different, like it allows you to kind of piece together pictures for your Instagram story. But they also started these like one pagers where basically, cause all these Instagrammers, they're like, oh, I need my link in bio. Link in bio is also a site like that. But Unfold was sold to Squarespace, I think like last year or something. I don't know for how much though. Man, I think that these one page website builders are actually really cool. So there's this other business I almost invested in. I think it's called mediakits.com or .co. I believe it's just called MediaKit. And all they did was built a really slick website builder where you could create your media kit, kit and send it to people. So, and uh, whether you're the hustle or you're just an Instagram person, you just had the hustle.co slash media kit or like, you know, stephsmith.com slash media kit. And it was that your media kit was on there. And that sounds like not that important, but it's kind of like Docsend. So Docsend, if you don't know what Docsend is, Docsend is basically all it is, is PowerPoint in the cloud, but email gated. So you have to enter your email and then you get all types of information. So it, you use it when you are creating a pitch deck and you want to send it to investors so you know who has it and who views it and how long they've used it. And it's basically that. So anyway, card is pretty badass. That actually might be one of the highest potential businesses you have here, I think. Yeah. And I mean, he actually runs card as a subscription business. So that's 1 million ARR. And I think it's probably way past that today. I think you're going to like the next one though. Go to uh, this next episode.net. I think it's actually next-episode.net. It's the, it's such an old site. I think the guy's been running it for 15 years. And if you just open it up, you'll you'll get a sense of how the UI hasn't caught up to where we are today. But it's amazing because this guy's been running it for 15 years. Guess how much traffic this thing gets. I'm looking at it on similar web. This is crazy. So what is this called? So next-episode.net. What is this? Yeah. It's a site where basically, like, there's no way I would think that a site like this would still exist, but people use it that basically helps you track your TV shows. And it's a little bit of a community. So I, I think I've never used it, but you know, people watch The Bachelor, they hang out on this site and they find other people who watch The Bachelor and they talk about it. But it's kind of crazy how much traffic this site gets. This is awesome. And so here's why I know this is a big business. So if you go to SimilarWeb and you look at the traffic, the estimated monthly traffic is 3.6 million uniques a month. That's decent. That's not like the best, but it's like really good, particularly for one person. But if you go to traffic source, it says that 80% is coming from direct traffic, which basically means that there's a lot of people that are just typing in this URL and going there on a consistent basis. And if you do that, you probably can have a huge business. And it looks like they've got a premium, which is only $2 a month. But how big is this? So I don't know exactly how big it is, but he's been running it for 15 years. And I know he's definitely, I, I found him on Hacker News, one of those posts that was like, 
hey, like who's a solopreneur who's doing this thing on their own? And he's like, I've worked on this entirely on my own for the last 15 years. So what? This is crazy. Good find. I can't wait. So who, what's this person's name? Do you know? Uh, let me send you. Here he is. I found him. Nico Nicolay. Yeah. Wow. This is a good find. How much revenue do you think he does on this? I don't know about today, but I'm assuming like if he's getting that many million pages and he's been working on it for 15 years, I'd say like maybe a million a year. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's probably mostly all profit. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's literally the only one who works on it. Um, and there's no in cost. one of the, the posts on Hacker News, he's like, yeah, I started it for myself because I couldn't find such a tool back in the day. And basically, he's like avoided hiring other people because he doesn't want to like scale through hiring. All right. What else we got? There's a ton on here. There's some there's one called Hostify by a guy named Riley who basically you know, has scaled that to like a million a month in a year or two. There's some good stories from back in the day where apparently SurveyMonkey was doing $19 million in revenue with 12 employees. So not a one person thing, but Plenty of Fish is another example where they were doing apparently $10 million and the guy was by himself. He might have even been part time. So that's kind of a crazy story from back in the day, too. How did how, how do you know this about SurveyMonkey? So it was posted. It was actually you posted about built with a while ago, I think. And then I went through all of the comments of you. Basically, you were like, can anyone tell me something more efficient than that? And this guy named Trip posted. Yeah, SurveyMonkey was doing 19 million with 12 employees. And you asked him if this was documented. And basically someone else commented and was like, yeah, Trip's too modest to say this, but he actually invested in SurveyMonkey in 2009. So he probably knows the numbers. Wow, this is amazing. I've heard this. I've heard rumors about SurveyMonkey doing this. This is crazy. This is so cool. Okay, from million dollar businesses, we're moving to billion dollar businesses. On this next clip, we have Jack Abraham. He's the founder of multiple great startups, and he's currently leading tons of successful investments at Atomic. In this clip, he tells us the frameworks that he uses to recognize opportunities for billion dollar companies. Go to the patterns. I'd be curious to what those are. Okay, cool. Yeah, so some patterns that I think are kind of tried and true that are really interesting to, to think about. One pattern is if you take things that rich people have access to or rich companies have access to and you figure out how to democratize them, so you make them more accessible, distributable, cheaper, and accessible to everyone, that is a winning formula for creating a really good company. And part of the reason for that, from a phil philosophical perspective, this is actually something I learned from Mark Andreessen, he has this belief that human desire is infinite, which is an interesting concept. And if you believe that, then people with a lot of resources and companies with a lot of resources are willing to spend on the outer limit of human desire. So they're poking around, they're figuring out all of these things of what's the next thing on the human desire bubble that could be discovered. And they might discover something, and if something there really takes hold that you can then take and give to everyone, everyone might want that, and it, it might be ready for everyone. Like and what? Like Uber was, Uber was a classic example of this, right? People had private Uber's, drivers. Yeah. Now everybody can push a button, have a private driver, driver pick them up. Yeah. Private driver um, with Uber, private chef with DoorDash, 
Private Shopper, with Instacart. Those are all, you know, really good examples. You could even argue, you know, second home, Airbnb. It's kind of like having access to a second home much in a much cheaper way. Um, so I think that that's a really, really interesting pattern um, that people can look into that. Yeah, that's a is, good framework. Is an interesting one and is pretty tried and true. And so what's a what's an idea in that space? So what are some other things that you've seen that either very wealthy people or very wealthy companies have that the rest of us don't? What are some other what are some other examples in there that that you know haven't looked into it but might might be might be interesting? Hmm. Well, I think that there seems to be some kind of a renaissance happening in fintech, partially because the wealthy seem to have access to financial planning, financial resources around planning, access to the markets. You know, there's this whole 99% versus the 1% and people have kind of figured that out. And I think that's why you're seeing this boom of new companies. If you can give the 99% what the 1% has access to and the ability to generate wealth. I think that that's actually really interesting. I think there are a lot of interesting startup ideas that are being formed there. We're starting one or two um, that we think can help empower people in that area, for example. Um, so that would be you know, one example of, of an area that- Are, are you going to do anything in the wealth advisor space? Um, we are kind of tangentially doing things there. I think that there's probably a lot more to do there. Um, you know, wealth advisory is a compounded issue where even the wealthy, when they have access to wealth advisory, it's not great. It's because, not great. Have yeah. you heard of Have you heard of Adpar, Sean? No. So I I bet you have Jack, right? Adapar, yeah. Adapar, sorry. Yeah. And so Adapar was started by Joe Lonsdale, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I only know like you know, the Wikipedia version, but basically it's a, it's kind of like mint.com, but for really wealthy people, I actually, but like billionaire wealthy people, I actually don't know what features necessarily it has that, uh, something a little bit, what, what you, Jack, what's it have? That's more robust. Do you know? Um, sorry, can you repeat that? What, what does at Ad, Adapar, Adapar have that, that's it more bas- robust? It basically has tracking of like everything, every fund, everywhere in the world, every wealth manager, all of your assets, but they tend to work more with wealth managers instead of individuals. But Joe and that company has an in, like a big vision for where that can go. Um, and you might be able to work with it as an individual now, but that's kind of along the lines so that could I, disrupt that. So I work with some of these folks yeah. and they send me like the jankiest stuff ever and their yeah. login. So like Morgan Stanley, the login to like, look at your investments, it's horrible. Yeah. And I was like, you guys, this is just absolutely right. like, awful. Like I'm just using spreadsheets on my own. This is really bad. You know, I've heard of this add a part thing and they're like, well, you know, you can't use that unless you're worth $500 million or like a billion dollars. It's, it's really, really expensive. Like it's crazy high. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Just like, give me a minute dot com login or something and you guys yeah. like become the admin and just like let's share this you can just tell me because this is dog shit and so totally. i think that um i think there's a lot of interesting stuff in that space but to go back to your point about distribution i think selling to those people are re- can be quite challenging because they're very yeah. old school and they're very conservative but uh that the, i was bringing this up to ask you if that's a space that has been interesting to you lately because you i know you're being a little cryptic because you like to be stealth until you you go live but so i was trying to i'm trying to get something out of you 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting space. I would encourage people to look into it. I think that there is a lot that can be done there. I think there's dissatisfaction amongst everyone, basically, in that space. It's pretty universal. A lot of room for improvement. Cool. So yep. that's, that's one yeah, uh, pattern for great ideas. So what are, the, what are the wealthy companies that people have that can be democratized? And, uh, and other, if, if a few people have that desire and they've pushed out to that limit, other people would want it if you can make it accessible, cheaper, and, and more available to them. That's, a, that's an amazing one. I think there's tons of great ideas there. Uh, what's, another, what's another framework or, or sort of pattern you've seen for great ideas? Yeah, so one that I think is is pretty interesting, that's also I would put in like the tried and true bucket, is if you take something that people consistently do and they have to do and they feel like they have to do it, but it takes a lot of steps and or time and you dramatically simplify it and you make it a lot faster to accomplish the same thing that they feel like they have to do. So some good examples of this would be, for example, booking online travel. You know, it used to be so hard to do. You'd have to go to so many different sites. The Kayak founders had the vision of let's just pull it all into kayak.com. You go to one site, you see it all in one place. They, they made it really easy. In the I case think you of said things, this once, which was anytime there's somebody has 14 tabs open to do this, to do one task, that's a business opportunity. Is that right? That's a business opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just watch for that. If, if you ever see that people are doing a lot of research there, yeah, tons of tabs open. It's really arduous. That That's an opportunity. Um, another example of that, that we, we kind of found with hims and hers and other telemedicine companies that we we've started is going to the doctor's office. You know, people need to go to the doctor's office. Think of that process. You're calling the doctor's office. You're scheduling an appointment. You're whipping out your calendar. You're putting it on your calendar. You're going to the waiting room. You're sitting there. You're getting prescribed something. You're going to Walgreens. You're waiting in line for half an hour, going around the store, going home. You know, this is a big process. And as a result, the next generation kind of doesn't even really engage with the healthcare system. You know, close to nine out of 10 of them don't even know who their doctor is and, or they haven't even gone. So, you know, telemedicine takes that process and makes it a five-minute process where you can do it on your phone and go through and get treated for whatever condition that you have. Um, I think another interesting example of that is selling your house. People need to sell their house, right? And it's a really hard, long, arduous process fraught with a lot of anxiety and things like that. Open Door came along and said, hey, come to this website, tell us what your house is, and we'll make you an offer to buy it. And you can sell it right now. And, you know, not everyone has to do that. And not everyone does do that. But enough people do it that it created a really, really big company that's doing really well. So those are some some interesting. And you guys are doing that now with yeah, Open Store, store right? Uh, which I got to say yeah. is it is a truly great idea. I remember when I first Thank heard you. it, I texted my friend and I said, uh, I, I didn't even say how great this idea is. I just only said, "Why are we not doing this?" Uh, because yeah. I was like, "This is that good of an idea." Selling your company, selling your e-commerce store in this case, um, takes so much effort, so much work. And the data is all there, right? Like I'm assuming, I don't actually know how it works, but I'm assuming it's sort of like ClearBank or whatever, where you can plug into their Shopify, you can plug into their Facebook ad account, you can plug into their bank or whatever. And and th- with those you know, three sources of data, you can get a basically like a, a health score and a value of, of this of this 
of the shop yeah. and make them an offer. And they don't have to go. Th- Most of them don't even know, like at least with a house, it's painful, but you kind of know what you're supposed to do to do it. Yeah. Nine out of 10 friends I talk to who have an e-commerce store don't even know what you would do if you wanted to sell. They don't even know yeah. what, whose door do I knock on? What do I need to have ready? And, and so therefore I just, I'm just not going to do it. And, oh. um, and it's like the open door thing where not everybody's going to do this, but Sure. If open door captures, I'm, I don't know what they modeled out, but you know, 1%, 3%, 5% of all house sales, like multi-billion dollar company, same thing for, for open source. So I'm super, super bullish to the point where I was like, why the, what am I doing with my life that I'm not doing this idea? This makes total sense. Oh man. Well, thanks for saying that. I, don't worry. I'm Keith not going to copy you, but uh, Keith and I are having I, a, I did want a ton to. of fun, ton <laughs> of fun building out that company um, here in Miami. That's been a blast building a, a great team, a huge team. And yeah, it solves this pain point in a market where it's really hard to sell your company. And all you need to do is come to a website. We give you a price and you can sell your company. And it's it's really interesting. We have an amazing data science team. We're hiring really aggressively. If anyone wants to join, it's, you know, anyone who joins that team, it's such an unbelievable team. I think it's going to create this almost Miami mafia, so to speak, around mm-hmm. here of amazing people. I think it's a, an exceptional opportunity. And scaling really quickly. Um, So that's been a lot of fun. Thanks for saying that. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time.